The thrombolysis in cerebral infarction scale, otherwise known as the TIKI scale, is an important outcome measure to evaluate the quality of endovascular stroke therapy. The TIKI scale is ordinal and observer-dependent, so this means it may not act to result in the best prediction of patient outcome and can also provide an inconsistent reperfusion grading. I'm Carmen Lave Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke, and I spoke to Drs. Haradi Prasadi and Manon Kappelhoff from Amsterdam University Medical Centre, two of the author group who submitted the article QTIKI, Quantitative Assessment of Brain Tissue Reperfusion on Digital Subtraction Angiograms of Acute Ischemic Stroke Patients. In this podcast, we look at the author's investigations into QTIKI and eTIKI using imaging processing techniques based on the TIKI methodology to develop better quality reperfusion grading. Well, I am Manon Kappelhoff. I work at the Amsterdam UMC location AMC and the University of Amsterdam as a PhD candidate on acute ischemic stroke, right now doing a Mr. Pino IV trial. And I have a special interest in a special interest in radiology and stroke, and that is how I got involved um, in this study. My name is Hariadi Plasatia, and I'm a PhD candidate at Amsterdam UMC, location AMC, uh, part of the University of Amsterdam in Biomedical Engineering and Physics Department. Uh, my background is Biomedical Engineering, but I have uh, an interest in machine learning and artificial intelligence and uh, how to apply it in the medical field. Thank you both so much for talking to us today. Why is the original TIKI scale to identify the need for reperfusion no longer as optimal as it once was? What's made it outdated? And I would like to start off by saying that the currently used TIKI scale or e-TIKI scale is doing a really good job now uh, with the limitation that it is visual. So what you want uh, from your TIKI score as an interventionist, I have heard, is knowing when is it enough? Like what should I strive for? When um, can I stop doing additional attempts uh, with all the risks that come with every additional attempt? Um, and when have I achieved enough reperfusion for the patient to recover, right? Um, so the eTIKI score visually uh, and the mTIKI score in the, in the old TIKI score visually great that, um, which is very useful in the uh, setting of the intervention. But now that we are entering an era, probably finally, where we can have computers do um, a lot of work for us and actually specify the things that we can see and make it way more sensitive to, to what is actually um, in there in terms of information in the image, um, I think we can, we have the abilities or will soon have the abilities to um, use that to yeah, get just a lot more information from the images that we have and thereby get a way more uh, accurate prediction of how well the reperfusion is that we achieved already. So basically um, what you're saying is it's the original um, TIKI score that really just gives us the imaging that we need to try and make some diagnostic decisions, but you're saying that the mm-hmm. e-ticky and the q-ticky scores have the potential to be automated. So we'll go into that in a moment. Why don't we just go th- through and explain to us how the ticky works in depth? The radiologist 
do is when they have a stroke patients, they do the treatment and they want to assess whether the treatment is uh, effective or not. And the way they do it, they assess the, the, the digital subtraction angiogram of the patient and then inject the contrast through the femoral artery and then see how the contrast goes into the vascularities in the brain. And then they assess the perfusion, the, the area which was previously occluded, and then see if that area is recovered by assessing whether the perfusion persists in that area or not. And the way they do it is they take into account the reperfusion volume uh, relative to the TDT, or what they call it as a target downstream territory. And they take, take the percentage of their reperfusion and then class it into uh, five to six scales. I think ATK now have, uh, has six scales of uh, uh, classifying the reperfusion. So that's how they do it. What is the difference in design for the Q-Tiki and E-Tiki scale and how did you automate it? So obviously you're injecting a dye mm -hmm. for just the tiki. Does the dye still, be, is the dye still injected to identify mm -hmm. if there needs to be a reperfusion and then what's the automation part of it? Yeah. So I think we should start with the similarity of E-Tiki and Q-Tiki. So basically what E-Tiki is trying to accomplish is to get the percentage of the reperfusion volume divided by the target downstream territory uh, volume. And they classify it into zero or minimal, uh, less than 50%, more than 50%. And then this new scale introduced uh, uh, more precision to, uh, uh, to assess the volume, whether that is uh, higher or lower than 6 or 7%. And QTK is basically just uh, trying to output the assessment in its numerical value without classifying it into discrete scales. Manually assess the, the images, the, the DSA. So they manually assess DSA, and then the radiologists would do this in their head. They would try to see uh, how large is target downstream territory, and then how large is their perfusion. And then they do this math in their head. And then they uh, say that, oh, this patient would have an uh, ETK 2A or 2B, something like that. Now, we put all of the all these thoughts in their head into a mathematical calculation, and into, into the actual calculation. And then we output the reperfusion volume in numerical value. We output the TDT volume in numerical value. And then we do the division there. And then we get the, uh, the QTK score which is the absolute value of the reperfusion volume divided by TDT volume. How do we perform the automation here? Is uh, first, uh, we go through this pipeline of image processing. First, we do the, uh, the vessel subtraction from the image. So we work in the digital subtraction angiogram where all the background images are already subtracted. So we only have left with vessels and the us like blush appearance, which is the the perfusion. Now vessel here is uh, is a little bit of obstruct uh, obstructive to our assessment, so we want to remove them. So we perform uh, a process called vessel subtraction. We use a vesselness filter here, and then after we successfully uh, subtract the vessel from the image, we only we are only left with the reperfusion itself. 
So we can just perform like a semantic segmentation, which is a threshold segmentation of this uh, reperfusion uh, component. And then we get the volume of this uh, segmentation, and then we divide it with the manually delineated uh, TDT volume. And then we get the score. So this is not fully automated yet because the TDT part of it still requires some uh, manual delineation, but we're working toward fully automated. Okay, well then let's go back to looking at all three levels of the TIKI, the E-TIKI and the Q-TIKI. Which one appears to be the optimum diagnostic tool or does it depend? Well, um, if you are comparing like the original Tiki score to the E-Tiki score, I think um, that's a very clear comparison. The original Tiki score was based on the TIMI score for myocardial infarction and then kind of specified to use in the brain. And then, uh, of course, afterwards we had the MTK and then um, which added a 2B score to uh, um, subdivide the um, not really completely perfusion into more or less than 50%. And then the ETK score went on with that to add a, a near complete reperfusion score where um, you would be kind of somewhere in between the 50 and 100% reperfusion. Um, so kind of around 99% reperfusion where you would only have a couple of distal uh, cortical emboli. Um, so in terms of from the tiki to the e-tiki, it has become more and more specific, right? More and more subcategories have been added. And you could say that in the q-tiki, you kind of add all the subcategories that you could make because you stop categorizing it and you just make it into percentages which is like, it feels quite logical um, because it would be the most accurate way to um, kind of quantify your reperfusion. Um, and then, so now you're, you're left with comparing the E-Tiki and Q-Tiki, right? Um, whereas it's a pretty difficult comparison because both skills have their own challenges. Um, whereas the Q-Tiki is way more specific, uh, it is still under development. Uh, and there's a lot of ways it could develop, like uh, have it fully automated, like Ariadne just mentioned, um, kind of uh, make the target downstream territory more specific for your occlusion. Um, uh, it's difficult to, uh, right now, to really implement it in clinic and um, uh, make it like, to live up to its full potential, but it, it could in the future, but it's not there yet. Whereas the key. Um, is fully functioning right now because it just depends on the observer's um, uh, yeah, grading of the reperfusion right there in the engine room. So um, I think ETKI is right now the optimum diagnostic tool because it's usable, um, it's easy, it's visual, it's uh, um, yeah, usable for every interventionist. And QTKI performs similar right now um, isn't technically um, possible to, to have right there in the intervention suite, but has way more potential to be developed and grow and um, end up in something that is, that is that's very specifically, automatically and fast, can show how well you have reperfused your target downstream territory. Um, so yeah, it would be ETKI um, for now, for simplicity, and QTKI for 
the future for um, possibilities of growing, I would say. So you've both been involved in a great little trial, which has a, a little study, sorry, which has looked at how you know the application of these try of these scales. So under what criteria was the patient data you gathered for comparison? Because I know that was more a post um, a posthumous kind of gathering of patient data. So how many patients <clears throat> were they? What were the kind of symptoms um, that defined? Um, what you were looking at, like your inclusion criteria. Can you give us a little bit of background on that before we kind of go into, you know, what did the data tell us exactly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely can. <laughs> um, these data came from the Misoclean registry and um, I had the, uh, um, well, uh, honour, I would say, to work on uh, helping to collect these data for a year. Um and it's like a national registry of every patient in the Netherlands that was treated with endovascular thromectomy, from the last patients included in the Mr. King trial up to a certain time points where we said, okay, we close the data set now and now we collect all the data. And this was, uh, the current study was done in the first kind of batch, so uh, up to 2016, uh, June. Um, so these were... Oh, let me see exactly. The entire um, cohort was nearly 1,500 patients uh, who had an acute ischemic stroke um, due to a proximal occlusion of the anterior circulation, so uh, IKT or M1 or M2, um, were treated with endovascular thromectomy, and that was from the moment they were they had bone puncture. Um, and uh, um, then regardless of how the intervention worked out. So uh, for the current study, obviously we only used the cases where they were able to make a good run post-treatment in the DSA. Um, so both anteroposterior and lateral runs, um, but otherwise they were sampled from that, uh, uh, from that patient's cohort. And it was, there were no exclusion criteria for age or aspects or any of that sort, just acute ischemic stroke, proximal, um, occlusion and serous circulation treated with endovascular or intended to treat with uh, endovascular traumatism. Yeah. And what did your collection of data tell you? What did it tell you was the most successful diagnostic model for the group that you assessed? Um, well, Anna, do you want to answer that one or shall I? Uh, you can start. Uh, you, you can start answering it and then I can... Uh add to that if you want. Well, I've got a question for both of you before we go on to that. I mean, mm. I, I mean, I, obviously you've kind of answered that question to some extent where you said the E-Tiki mm. and the Q-Tiki have kind of positioned themselves well in the area that they're aimed at, and that's a fair, that's a fair comment. I guess the real question is, I mean, endovascular treatments are very sexy and we're very interested in them. That's obviously really a very important clinical space and people are, you know, we're doing a lot of studies and, and bits and pieces on, you know, and follow-ups on, especially on things like Mr. Clean, which was, of course, the groundbreaking study. Um, I guess my real question is, why would you need to make, make it more um, complete like why do you need a better tool than the original tiki what's the reason for looking 
further at something that's more developmental and I guess really also I mean if we're starting to really interrogate that what does that mean in settings that are a bit more low resourced as well do you guys want to have a little bit of a go or a little bit of a chat about that mm-hmm. yeah I think if it's in terms of uh, uh, like treatment and efficacy assessment hmm. I think uh, uh, well ETQ right now uh, has been used a widely and then uh, it has also a really good integrated agreement. But then again, uh, it's a crude scale and then it's limited in its ability to portray the, the actual state of reperfusion. Whereas Q2Key, even though it's not really in a complete form, as in like it's not fully automated, like the TDT that we use still, a crude TDT is not an actual TDT, but it has potential to grow into... Uh, into something that is better and then has more clinical value than ETQ, I'd say. But again, of course, that, that would be in a, uh, an arguable statement because uh, whether we really need the precision of reperfusion assessment uh, or not. But, mm. uh, but what, what I do really think is that uh, with QTQ, you can... Uh, streamline the process you can have a much greater ease of use you don't have to uh, depend on the uh, the expertise of the observer mm. and of course they would also wipe off uh, all the integrator agreement because it's just a click of a button when it's already fully automated yeah but uh, key in its current form also reduce some kind of source of variance already because now the source of variance is only in TDT delineation whereas uh, uh, using ETK, you have to think about the TDT volume and you also have to uh, remove the vessels like in your mind and you also need to trace whether this reperfusion is anti-grade or retrograde. And in QTK, we've already done, uh, done all that mm. automatically. So does that mean... Except for the TDT delineation. And I guess then does that mean quicker treatment? I wouldn't say that it would mm. be... Uh, it can be applicable in the clinical setting at its current form, but it's definitely useful for quick assessment of clinical trial or registry. Okay. Yeah, and of course, um, eventually, um, it may lead not necessarily quicker treatment in terms of drug growing times, but quicker decision-making during your intervention. So um, say, ultimately, like in its... In its uh, um, form the QTK in a couple of years. Um, if you are in your intervention and you see, okay, now I have a 53% reperfusion, now I have 82% reperfusion, and now I have 95, okay, now I can stop. Then it is going to help in the flow of your intervention um, to kind of as, uh, assist the interventionist um, in his decision-making. Uh, um, should I continue? What materials sh- should I use? Um, uh, yeah, how, how should that proceed? So kind of, um, yeah, fastening up decision-making during the intervention. And then I guess I'd also like to ask you both, um, so does that mean because this is going to be an easier tool to use for reperfusion, just say you're going to apply it on like an MSU or something like that and you had a nurse practitioner on the MSU, does that mean it would be easier for the nurse practitioner to be able to identify whether to reperfuse or not? 
in its current form, then it still requires some some minimum knowledge about how to draw a TDT. And but we don't we don't need a, a really detailed TDT drawing uh, for key to key, whereas in ATK it requires like a meticulous drawing of TDT. But so the extent of uh, knowledge that the user of this key to key would need is to draw a TDT. And then okay. other than that, it's just a click of a button and then you can get the result of assessment immediately. Uh, if that if that's what you mean by that question. Yeah, that is. And I, I think it's interesting to explore that anyway, what the other options are um, and about how, you know, more equitable it becomes for people to make decisions nice and quick um, and in settings where there may not be a neurologist available. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, that in terms of the mobile stroke units, like, of course, the score is only meant for DSA images, so that would, at least the mobile stroke, stroke units I have seen so far, just have a CT, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that would be very far in the future before we could um, make it into, um, like, make a DSA, actually, an angiography suite in a mobile stroke unit. That would be really cool, of course, but... <laughs> of course. <laughs> in terms of reperfusion assessment, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. But uh, definitely, as we reiterate over and over, uh, the potential is there. And then also with the rise of artificial intelligence and machine learning in all the fields uh, nowadays, Mm. uh, I think uh, it's already the time for us to reevaluate whether the manual manual assessment or any kind of of manual assessment can be uh, turned into a fully automated scale. And we definitely have a technology and the data to do that. So it's only uh, a matter of when, not if, I think. So in terms of whether we already get to, to the most successful diagnostic models, I think it still remains a question to be answered. But QTK is definitely a step toward the right direction, I would say. And in terms of both of you, one more question as well, which is of of interest to me, and that is what brought you to this place in your career that you're looking at scales? You know, what I know, um, Hayata, you touched on it when you introduced yourself, but Manon, where did you come from to bring yourself to, you know, that that you're here in this point right now looking at scales and diagnostic tools? (laughs) Well, I, when I was in my medical studies, I kind of got in touch with uh, acute ischemic stroke research before the whole Mr. Clean escape, like before the Hermes trials and everything were um, published. And like you like you said, it was just sexy, like endovascular treatments. Wow. Um, I saw a couple of patients there and I, I, it just intrigued me how somebody could be brought into the ER with a complete paralysis and aphasia and then the next day he would be playing his guitar in the in the uh, breaker units in exceptional cases of course um so then i kind of got involved in um details and so it, it's it's not it's not that easy there's so many questions still unanswered and one of the largest questions was surrounding imaging which kind of made like um uh the imaging and the patient selection made the difference uh, in the Mr. Clean trial and the escape and those trials, um, as well as the uh, use of the devices used during intervention and the amount of perfusion um, achieved. So then 
I was like, if we could improve that and improve the decision making of how people uh, select patients and how people grade their success and um, those like alter those decisions in the process, we can actually really improve the the outcome of the overall process. And that was, um, yeah, just also having all these data there and and seeing that we actually are able to do that now and to to answer so many questions um right now that was very i don't know um motivating and then i went into a phd and uh, then that was exactly what i ended up kind of doing you've been listening to a podcast interview with drs haradi prasadi and manon kapelhoff from Amsterdam University Medical Center, two of the author group who submitted the article, QTIKI, Quantitative Assessment of Brain Tissue Reperfusion on Digital Subtraction Angiograms of Acute Ischemic Stroke Patients, which is now published in the International Journal of Stroke. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organization. And our organization is working hard to reduce the global burden of stroke. Please do consider becoming a member. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. If you do, could you please take a moment to share, follow, like, or write a review for this podcast to help us increase our global audience and promote good science.